Pharisee, I preach the gospel. I follow the apostles, you follow Pentecostals. Do not reform, so that's a risk. I believe the five points like an asterisk. I repent, but you're in sin still. I spit rhymes and Fernando does a windmill. Yo soy mejor, no me ganas en batalla. Improvisando, my freestyle is fire. Raza. My name is Martin Velasquez alongside my brothers. This is Justin Corona right here. And what up, everybody? This is Pastor Vic. And this is Reform Raza. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram. Uh, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook. We're at reformraza at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, or rebukes. You can hit us up right there. And uh, don't forget to also follow the Streetlight Church page because we got things going on every day of the week now. We got Mondays <laughs> Bible study with Pastor Vic live on Facebook and the Reform Raza uh, IG page. Tuesdays, we got. Uh, Another men's Bible study going on, yeah. I believe, right? That's going to be on Tuesdays at 7. Wednesdays, we got a parenting class from Pastor Santos. Yeah. Uh, he's live on the Streetlight Church page. Thursdays, we got worship, live worship from Justin's wife right here, Julie. She gets down on that guitar. And Fridays, we got service at 7 p.m. Sundays at, at 12 p.m. So if you guys want to uh, hit us up right there, we got something going on every day of the week. So, yeah, man. Amen, man. <laughs> Even not, during, not enough to do. <laughs> Even during the midst of this pandemic, pandemic, uh, the church don't stop, man. We still got things going on every yeah. day. You know what I mean? So, praise God for that. So, if you guys have been following us on this little theological trip that we've been on, uh, we talked about the sovereignty of God on the last episode, and that was part one of this conversation. Conversation, part two today. We're gonna get it in. We gonna get it in. This is a, a topic. A doctrine that, man, personally is very near and dear to my heart because once I learned this, man, I mean, just change the tables on the way that I see the word of God, the way that I see the scriptures. And it brought me more than anything closer to the Lord, it brought me more of a confidence, brought me more of an assurance and and know that I can trust God. I know that I can I can fully give myself to him uh, with, you know, just being able to serve him and love him because I know that he truly has his hand upon me. Amen. And so that's the doctrine of predestination and election. Amen. And then also to just a little disclaimer, um, the to what we hold when it comes to this uh, election predestination may differ from our church congregation. So I just want to go ahead and put that out there. Um, but yeah, so man, moving forward into this, I, I think this is just one of those most awaited episode for us to want to just express and just shed the beautiful light upon this this doctrine um as as far as where a lot of people will give it a bad rap um and then also too a, a more exciting thing too is who we have on today oh 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 uh, so victor you want to go ahead and introduce our listeners to who is our special guest today do, do we have a drum roll or oh there you go drum roll <laughs> Our special guest for this episode is SolaCast. Woohoo! Yo, yo. Hey, what's up? What's going on, my brother? That's right, that's right. So we got Pastor Chris Hernandez, Jimmy De Los, brother Jimmy De Los Santos, and we got Pastor Henry Knox from SolaCast. Thank you, brothers, for joining us on this episode. All right. 
Friday, man. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah. yeah, glad to be here. Awesome, we're, man. We're going we're gonna to have to take turns talking because there's, <laughs> there's six yeah. of us on here. <laughs> So I just you know, just, we raise our hand. <laughs> <laughs> so so um so uh, real quick, just you know, starting with Pastor Chris and uh, Jimmy, and then uh, Pastor uh, and Henry, just introduce you guys uh, real quick. You know who you guys are. Yeah, yeah. Again, brothers. Uh, first of all, thanks for having us on. You know, praise be to God. Sola via gloria, man. It's Amen. great to be on with you guys and discuss this important doctrine. But uh, yeah, so we're we're Solacast. We're just a podcast, just like you guys. And uh, I think we have this kind of the same background, man. We just wanted to start a podcast to discuss you know, theology and bring it to the urban context. You know, a lot of minorities in, in our context don't really uh, or aren't really familiar with reform theology. Mm-hmm. Or, any type of uh, high theology at all. So we wanted to uh, start a podcast to m- mostly talk to our friends, man. You know, our friends and family. That's really who our, our first audience was. You know, we didn't yeah. plan on talking to, you know, strangers or anything like that. Our, our main focus was we wanted, you know, those close to us to, uh, you know, to, uh, you know to, to listen and to hear what we had to say rather than just, you know, posting these uh, drive-bys on Facebook and Twitter and them getting mad at you. We, t- <laughs> we thought we'd get behind some mics, you know, and, and let them hear our tone or express our and let them hear how we're expressing ourselves in love so that's the reason why we started the podcast but I know that was a little long intro man I was supposed to just introduce myself <laughs> but I'm Pastor Chris Hernandez with Solicast Amen Amen and I'm uh, Brother Jimmy De Los Santos uh, same thing that Pastor Chris said I, I grew up my dad was a Pentecostal preacher mm. right and uh, so I grew up as a, a pastor's kid uh, and so I grew up in a charismatic church when I, be, when I began to learn a, a, a lot about, I, I already kind of knew these doctrines, but Pastor Chris helped me to straighten out some of my things, or the way I was thinking. And when we got together, we would talk for four or five hours at a time, man, about, about the doctrines of grace. And uh, we, you know, the more we fleshed it out, the more we got into it, the more I wanted to get some mics between us. And hey, man, let's record what we're talking about. Mm. Uh, because, yeah, he's, he's right. It's really difficult to get your charismatic family, friends and family that grew up like that to start thinking different uh, about about the doctrines of grace. So uh, this is really a great platform for us to be able to share uh, what what we believe to be true about the Word of God. And uh, mm-hmm. since then, I, I, I do have some, you know, some successes that we've had. And my sister has, has started to embrace these doctrines. And, and so I'm really uh, glad about her. So this is one of the things that we keep doing this because we want to reach our friends and family uh, with with this type of deep thinking, as y'all were saying to begin with, so there's, there's mine. I'm just gonna keep. I'm just gonna keep it brief. She didn't feel brief. <laughs> didn't feel brief. Amen, amen. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, my name is Pastor Henry Henry Knox. Um, I'm, I'm the new addition to SolarCast, but it feels like it feels like I've been here for I don't know how long. Uh, but yeah, but uh, you know, uh, you know, same, same, same heart, uh, different story. I, I grew up in the church. Uh, was not a Christian until like later on in my life. I think I was like 20, 25. Um, but you know, by by God's grace and His sovereign plan, He just drew me unto Himself. And just like the brothers, you know, kind of said, it's kind of funny, like. You know, you look around and you see people, you know, in our in our cultural background and you see somebody who actually is reformed and you have these conversations, it's like finding a magical unicorn, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like, <laughs> no, like, like you know, so, um, but yeah, but, you know, but I hopped on the uh, solo cast and, you know, we, uh, I mean, we have very, very good chemistry and I think we all have the same desire is that, you know, no matter what cultural background you have, um, 
theology and being a theologian is the duty of every Christian hmm. and to learn more. And so we hope that by, by and through God's wisdom that we can bring more lost individuals to his grace and show him just the nature of his irresistible grace. Hmm. But hmm. I won't get ahead of myself, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, yeah that's really good. Yeah. So basically we, yeah, I mean, same, same for us. We got um, the same kind of background. Um, me and this is my brother right here, Pastor Vic. We're blood brothers. We grew up also uh, uh, Pentecostal. Uh, background too and then um the lord drew me at the age of 24 so yeah I, around the same age that you were 25 uh, around that yeah. age so i can't i was in, i was a late coming but but praise god that he he finally you know saved me at the right perfect time you know what i mean, I mean so yeah you know and uh, so we've been listening to you guys since since the beginning you know what i mean yeah and since since episode since one before we started right <laughs> yeah before we started yeah. listening to you guys so that was the best and it was dope actually i had a quick story you know before we get, we get it in um in 2014 around there i was um i was newly saved i was looking for some music uh, <laughs> to listen to and i ran across itunes you know this this uh uh, this album had a bunch of Texas rappers on there and it had this rapper named Lingo on there. I was like, all right, this about to get down, you know what I mean? It's cool. So I bought the album. It, was, it, was, it had a bunch of different artists on there, Christian artists. All right, Texas rapper. All right, cool. I'm, I'm more of a Southern California, West Coast kind of guy, but this was dope. And then it was a trip when you guys put out your first episode and then this guy that I listened to back in the day is a, is a now reformed uh, pastor. I was like, oh, all right, cool. So that was pretty dope, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, we try to Brother Martin, well, you can tell, man, back in the day, man, that the, the level of maturity, man, in my, yeah. Christian, in my Christian theology was very low, but, you know, praise God that he brings us through things, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, exactly, that was, that was the most part that I was surprised at. I was like, well, he's a, he's a, not only a, 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 a pastor but he's a reformed guy i was like well, all right all right <laughs> so yeah it's like so, a 180 man <laughs> <laughs> so praise god for that and, and my wife man she wanted actually to 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 well, she wanted me to send send out her shout out she's a little shy but uh she she listens to you guys more than she does us so <laughs> <laughs> hey hey well at least your wife oh, listens yeah. to you guys man i don't think my wife <laughs> 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 yeah so shout out to my <laughs> wife <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh, so man so last time on our episode where we asked the question is god in control right or is god sovereign yeah. all, over all things because i don't think any christian any believer will, will deny that he is in control right we we like to say that god is in control we throw it out there almost in like a cliche kind of thing god is in control god is in control so the question that we want to ask is to what level to what extent is God in control? If we say God is in control over all things, we want to bring it to the point of salvation. Now, is he in control of salvation? So the first question we would want to tackle is, is God in control of our faith? Yeah, I'm going to tackle that one. That, that one is the question that uh, Pastor Chris assigned to me. Uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, when I look at that question, I, I want to stop it at the first four words of that question. Is God in control? Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all covered, y'all might have covered that last week, but it's still, <laughs> uh, you know, you're saying to what extent? Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, let's just read Ephesians 1.11. This is what it says in Ephesians 1.11. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. 
Now, I'm going to repeat that last part. Who works all things according to the counsel of his will. When I say all things, I, I don't see that he's excluding something. He's not excluding anything. He's working all things according to the counsel of his will. And so when it comes to the faith, I think the thing that brings about that question is people saying, are you telling me I'm a robot? Are you telling mm -hmm. me that that uh, I, I don't have any kind of free will here? And I think that the, the answer to that lies in the fact that before you came to know Christ, before you came to know him, you were enslaved to sin, mm. right? And that faith that you think that you can somehow muster or exercise was enslaved to your addictions, to your fleshly desires, to the passions of, 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 the, of, the, of the world that kept you down, right? I couldn't do anything until he drew me unto himself. No one comes to Jesus unless the Father draws him unto Jesus. Amen. And so what a what a beautiful thing to think about when it comes to that faith. Because think about it. If man was in control of his faith, he would never turn to God. And so when I think about the question, uh, is God in control of our faith? You, you have to look at that and say, if he wasn't, what deep mire would we be in right now? Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. deep trouble would we be in if I was in control of my faith? And plus, there's the other factors where it goes against scripture. Because if, if faith was something that you could muster up, if faith was something you could build up within yourself, then it becomes a work. And if it becomes a work, then you can boast about it. My faith is bigger than yours. Look how great my faith is compared to yours. But no man can boast about his faith. It's not a work. It's a gift. And it, it, and it, it, it has to go with regeneration, though. This is one of those things I think people that uh, misunderstand. Uh, regeneration happens, and think about Lazarus for just a minute. If it hadn't been for the effectual call of Jesus Christ to bring Lazarus out of the grave, Lazarus would have never been able to believe in Christ because what can a dead man do? Mm. And, if, and, if, and if God didn't raise me up from the dead to be able to believe in him, I would have never believed in him. So I praise God for the fact that he turned my face toward him and said, hey, wake up from your from your death, from your sleep slumber. Wake up and see me, right? And now I can exercise my faith. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish the question off a quote from Louis Burkhoff uh, from his systematic theology. He says this, it is only after God has implanted the seed of faith in the heart of man that man can exercise faith. Again, I can do nothing without Jesus. And if he hadn't turned my face towards him, I would still be lost. Amen. I hope that answers the question. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because uh, when when approaching um, these kind of topics, um, right right away what you said, um, people think that, oh, we're just robots and or puppets or God is just playing with us. And, and what's the point of us, you know, uh, Jesus calling us to have faith? Or what's the point of when the Bible calls us to, to repent or to do something if, if God is in control? That would I, that, That's how usually how the, the, the opposite side will come at us and be like, well, you don't, you're you guys are just a bunch of robots you know what i mean and i would say no because um although god is in control of, of one's faith um I'm, i actually believe 
You know what I mean? I actually have faith. You know what I mean? He, it's, it's, it's his part that he gives me the ability to have faith, but it's a real faith. You know what I mean? Responsibility, you know? We, we, it, yeah, it doesn't diminish uh, human responsibility uh, or the, to answer the call of repentance. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a real, it's a real thing. Right. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, and then. And, and you know going into the next question it follows through is how's or has god predestined people to be saved uh you know just talking about you know god is in control of our faith we we understand that we learn that we read that um now then how how does that happen how does does then god predestine people to be saved or when does that happen yeah i'll, I'll take that one I, I think i think that one is pretty explicit mm-hmm. um you know this is pretty much just a i mean a, a direct quote from scripture you go to ephesians one exactly where jimmy you know came from but you go up a little further where uh where the apostle paul is breaking out the whole idea of god's sovereignty and the blessedness of predestination um and i'll, I'll say this before i read the uh, the uh, the uh, scripture is that one of the things that, because I kind of came to a Reformed theology on my own, I kind of struggled and, and, and came to it. This is probably, and we do realize this is probably one of the most um, aggravating, frustrating, oh, yeah. um, heartbreaking yeah. doctrines to come to yep. when you don't fully understand what predestination is. And it is the point of fact that God knew that we were going to be fallen in our sin, right? So, so it's a blessed, assured thing that he has predestined us, those who are saved, those who are called unto himself, because if he had not predestined us unto himself, then we would, you know, go the way of our sin. We would be slaves to sin still. And we would be, you know, you know, the most to be pitied and and God would be just if he did so. Right. But we have a blessed assurance in God knowing that he did predestinate us uh, to, to salvation. And so I'll just read it. It's in Ephesians 1 and 3. Uh, Paul Paul sort of gives the context. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us um, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the world was made, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. I'll stop right there. That's the biggest focal point, is that God set his affection upon some in his unfailing love to us with his grace. Then he finishes it off in verse five. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, not as mere robots, not as mere humans, not as mere creatures or creations, as those people that he gave his living breath to, right? He has predestined us for that adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose and here's the crux of the issue the purpose of his will and that's what we have to really come to terms with because even though it is heartbreaking to sort of let go of a theology where you feel like you should be in control or you should have a say so just think about the level of arrogance that that gives when you say that about god and about his plan he does everything according to his purpose his pleasure and his good will who am i to say who God can predestine. And if he has predestined me, why am I upset that he has set his love upon me? Like, as if I'm the one should, who, who should be controlling the love or who should, or, or who should be controlling the destination. No, God God does because he, he creates, he fulfills, he 
begins our faith and he finishes our faith. Amen. So I think that that should be the most comforting thing, knowing that it's not dependent upon us and that he does predestine us. And that's a, that's a huge comfort to, uh, to any Christian. And of course, you can go to Romans 8, uh, you know, in 28, and it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Why do they work for, for the good, Paul? Those who are called according to his purpose. Again, it's all about him. It's all about God. It's his purpose. It's his plan. It's his good pleasure, right? It's because he feels like it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, 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 but we know God does everything for a purpose. It says, for those in whom he foreknew, he already knew before, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of, of his son. And like, that's so much confidence just in, just in the area of sanctification. Think about that. That yeah. means that God, by his sovereign grace, you have no choice but to be conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Like that, that, that is amazing. But so, so yes, I guess the short answer would be, yes, he does predestine those who are who, who are saved because because he calls. Do we ever give a short answer, Pastor? <laughs> <laughs> no, <right. laughs> no, yeah, and, and, and I think that's 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 one of the, the the hardest things for people who are new to these kinds of doctrines to grasp because yeah. uh, we we've, we've been told you know that God loves the whole world unconditionally. You know, they always use that word unconditionally. God just loves, he loves Christians. He loves unbelievers. He loves everyone the same. So to portray a God who elects some or predestines some and doesn't, you know, predestine all people, uh, they would look at us and be like, you serve a tyrannical God or a God that's unloving yeah. because he doesn't, you know, my Bible, you know, John three sixteen, God mm-hmm. for God so loved the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, they try to pack their, their ammo on that yeah. scripture and yeah. try to blast it at us. But uh, Pastor Chris said on, on uh, I forget if it was the sovereignty of God or the Calvinism episode, uh, John three sixteen is more in in the favor it's in our favor of of these kinds of Amen. doctrines. You know what I mean? And I thought that was uh, deeply profound. Um, so Victor, you yeah. want to go on with the next? I was yeah. gonna say I think that, was, that was that yeah. was that was my biggest biggest uh, um, uh, go to when when I, w- I would evangelize. Mm-hmm. I was like, bro, like God is a gentleman. He's knocking <laughs> at the door of your heart, but he. Uh, <laughs> I think we lost that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I think that we try to bring God down to a to a to a humanistic yeah. um, mm-hmm. sort of uh, sort of sort of sort of idea or perception to make us feel better. Um, but we don't know that that we're actually stealing away God's joy, or rather, the joy that we would have in God by allowing Him to be who He is, and that's mm. even more glorious than the you know than that than that evangelistic trope. Amen. And I think on the same note too, like I like how you mentioned, like it wasn't like um, we didn't have any reformed pastors, you know, leading our congregation or even just being able to go to a seminary school or anything to where they could teach us these things. And so, in 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 our own um, context, as you would say, uh, we came upon this, you know, by 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 the grace of God. And 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 a lot of times, you know, over a year ago, you know, first coming to these things, I felt like I was Jacob wrestling God. You know, I felt like I, I was just like trying to wrestle through this because, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's just like, man, like, I don't want to open my eyes to this mm. because mm-hmm. then because then I feel like in, in, in my in, in my own, um, I guess you would say in my own arrogance, I would say, you know, why can't everybody be saved? But then as, as you know, just more in the past months, man, I, I was just able to just fully fall flat to my face before God and just be like, man, like. I see it, you know, like I see it, but not, not, I, I accept it as it is, 
I read the scripture as it is, and it's just like, man, it's just all the more joyous to know, like how you mentioned that, like he is, he's the, the, the perfect author. That when we see this, we understand and we have that confidence of sanctification. We have that confidence of the glorious day that we will see in eternity that's to come. That, that we Amen. will be kept, that he'll persevere us. That he will keep us, and then you know it's it's just that 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 bad rap that people have given this doctrine, and you know I think I think it's just beautiful moving forward like that. Yeah, yeah, man. I was about to say the same thing that predestination <laughs> is just a beautiful once you get really get to know it, and it magnifies who God really is, and it puts man down, and all man can do is just give glory to God for for his plans. But for time's sake, we have to move on to the next oh, question. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the next question is, who are the elect? Yeah, so let me let me go ahead and answer that. I'll answer that with a, with a verse, uh, 2 Timothy 1.9. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose mm. and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So uh, who are the elect? It's those who are saved. Anyone who is saved, uh, anyone who believes in the Lord, they're, they're elect. They're elect because God has opened their heart to believe, uh, you know. So um, now that doesn't mean that uh, we know uh, on our end as we go out and evangelize, we don't know who's elect and not elect. That's why we uh, we proclaim the gospel to all, all creatures in all world. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, this is the area where most people would rather not talk about or rather not look into or rather not um accept because if you're talking about uh god's elect god's people and obviously there's people that are gonna suffer in hell and eternity uh the most opposition that i have faced when talking to people is um that that limited atonement right that god sent his son to die for his people and so this is the area right here where people would would uh, uh, mostly fight against. No, Jesus died for the entire world. He paid for the sins of the entire world. John three sixteen. Yeah, that's when John three sixteen comes in through. Or in First John when it says he, he died for the sins of the world. Yeah, and so we, uh, so his name is Jesus because he came. Uh, for his people he came to save his people and uh we even look at ephesians 5 25 you know christ died uh for his church you know what i mean so w- there's a lot of yeah, scriptures yeah. uh talk about that he came uh f- for a specific group of people you know what i mean and uh uh, well, yeah, I think you're. I think you're. I think you're right, brother. When you talk about limited atonement, that is, that's the one that people want to push back on yeah. because it's hard to, it's hard to see that that God or Christ would would die only for certain people. Because again, Christ died for everyone. Christ loves everyone. But but like you said, you know, in Matthew one twenty one tells us that Christ came to save His people, His particular mm-hmm. people, His people from their sins. John ten fifteen, you know, I lay down my my life for my sheep. Right? Mm-hmm. Who are His sheep? The sheep are the ones who who hear His voice. You know, and when you talk about limited atonement, yeah, you, you uh, we have to talk talk in a way of substitution, substitutionary atonement. You know, was Christ's death on the cross a substitute for our death, or wasn't it? I mean, whose sins did He atone for on the cross? And mm-hmm. we, we got to say either He atoned for the sins of His people, the elect, or He atoned for the sins of the whole world. And if we are to believe that He atoned for the sins of the whole world, then the logical conclusion is going to be that everyone in the world is going to be saved because mm-hmm. all their sins were atoned for. Yeah, I mean, exactly. the only other option is, which is probably the the way the most the way most Armenians see it. The only other option is is to believe that He did die and atone for the sins of the whole world. But 
the atonement is only effective if you believe. But that doesn't solve the problem of substitutionary atonement. Either Jesus was the perfect substitute or he wasn't the perfect substitute. And to say that he died in the place of someone who would reject him, to say that he is atoning for the sins of someone who doesn't believe. And in fact, that would, that would mean that his work was done in vain. Mm. And, and what, what you have there then is what you have is, uh, is double, what we call double retribution. You have Christ receiving the penalty for the unbeliever's sin on the cross, while the unbeliever still has to receive the penalty for his sins in hell. Mm. And, and then the irony of all that is while, while Arminians like to say that Calvinist, the God of the Calvinist seems angry and unfair, to have a God, think about what that means though, because to have a God that would inflict inflict wrath on his son without without it being effective and in turn inflict more wrath on the unbeliever sounds even more angry than unfair to me. Amen. And the only logical conclusion uh, if Christ really did pay for the sins of the world, whole world, then it's universalism, right? Because that, that means that everybody right. would be saved and no one really should be in hell, you know? And I've had conversations with people that when you bring that logical conclusion to them, they have no choice but to say yes. I believe that right. everyone will be saved. And the point of evangelism is just to let them know that they're saved. It's like, like, uh, like, so no one's really lost. We just gotta, uh, by their own will and by their own uh, thinking, we just gotta let them know that they're already saved and they just gotta come to that conclusion themselves, right? And so that would actually probably lead to our our next question. We're talking about, you know, uh, God's will and our responsibility. So are people able to choose God on their own then? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll take that one. And uh, I, I guess the short, easy answer is uh, no, people are not able to choose God on their own. Um, and I think that uh, I'll, I'll sort of tee this up for, uh, for Jimmy and Chris if they, if they want to hop in. But um, but I would, I would just say this. Um, people are not able to choose God on their own because we are not autonomous beings. Mm. God is the only sovereign autonomous being in the entire world. As Jimmy said earlier, you know, we are slave to sin. How can you, I mean, you know, I mean, all through Rome, I mean, Romans uh, one, Romans uh, at the end of Romans two, Romans three, you know, nobody looks after God. Nobody seeks after him. There is none good. There is none righteous over and over and over again throughout the scripture. You know, you go back to the Old Testament where it says that, that our righteousness before God is like filthy rags, meaning that in no way would man who is slave to his sin would be able to choose God on his own. It takes a miraculous miracle to change the believer's heart, to be able to uh, make that ground fertile, to be able to get that seed to take root in the believer's heart, to be able to even be drawn because nobody seeks after God, right? So no, no one is able to choose God on their own. God, by his perfect will, his his. His, his perfect love, his grace, he, he draws us irresistibly to himself. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, how those things work themselves out, everybody's testimony is different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know I know some people who were saved at the age of four. They, they, they were saved, they understood their sin, they understood the gospel, they understood, and they were brokenhearted over their sin. I know some people who rebelled and, you know, who just rebelled and rebelled and rebelled. And up until, I mean, to be honest, I'm a pastor. You know, I've, I've held people's hand and let them in prayer, and I, I've seen the genuine salvation come upon people who are 65 years years old, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have no idea how the inner workings, 
how or, or, or rather what God's timing is on that. But that still does not mean that you made a choice. God sovereignly saved you, regardless of what we said or did. And then in that, we are sanctified. And then, of course, on through glory. Man, I think... Um... <laughs> Hello? No, I was just saying oh. that, was, that was good to have to answer. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I agree with what he's saying there. Psalm, Psalm 14, when you look at Psalm 14, when it says, uh, there is none who seek after good, there is none righteous. God looked down from heaven to see if there was any yeah. that seek after God, and there is none. Mm. So if it wasn't for his for His grace to turn my face toward him, I would never have looked for him. And uh, I, I know there's, I, I, I might have talked about this before on our podcast, you know, you guys might have heard me say the name Ray Comfort, right? Oh, yeah. Ray Comfort has a little, a little analogy that he uses that he says the the, the sinner uh, seeks God as much as a thief might seek the police station. <laughs> he ain't looking to go there, right? The thief is the, the thief is not looking to to go to the police station. He doesn't want to go there. Yeah. So that's what the sinner does. If God hadn't turned us, we wouldn't go. Yeah, I feel like it's like a. Once man comes comes to grips or to the reality of his own guilt or or, or the sin that he bears, uh, they 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 run the other direction and then it goes the point in first I mean first John in, in just John the Gospel how it goes on that people hate the light why because mm. they'll be exposed but those that love God or or that God calls He exposes them and they all the more continue to 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 perform good uh, good deeds before. God in, in his light that others may see and glorify God. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and so now uh, leading to the next question, uh, can the elect fall from salvation? Mm-mm-mm. Now, now before you guys oh, an- before, <laughs> hold on, hold on. before you guys answer this one, this is another point right there where where a lot of people that we we come from, uh, they're gonna say uh, yes. You know what I mean? Uh, so the. I mean, this is. I just want to emphasize the importance of this question right here, because uh, yeah. uh, I mean, there's no other greater comfort than this one, you know. And so uh, we 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 actually did a whole series. We didn't want to just ask this question. We wanted to bring it to to you know, you're justified, you're adopted, you're sanctified, and after these things, now can you fall from from grace? You know, what I mean, that's the whole question. But you know, I just want to emphasize the importance <laughs> of this right here. You know, so. <laughs> No, you know what? I'm glad that you emphasized it. It's one of my. Pastor Chris gave me this because I asked for this one, and this <laughs> one's near and dear to my heart because I grew up like I grew up like this. I grew up in a charismatic church that taught that you need to watch it, you need to watch what you do. You look that certain way, you're going to lose your salvation. Oh, what did you just think? Oh, what did you just wear? Did you walk into that movie theater? Because you just lost your salvation when you did. Dang. Right? Any any little any little thing that they could hold over yeah. you was one of those things that you could lose your salvation. I couldn't live like that. Right? Always looking and seeing. I it, it, I was I was afraid. I was living afraid. And so I I scrapped God when I was fifteen. I said, screw all that. Right? I'm gonna go my way. Right? And I'm I'm so grateful that at the age of thirty two, God brought me back to Himself. That I might come to know better than that, right? And I, I still have struggles. I have a young guy that that reaches out to me every once in a while, and he asks me the question. He he calls it once saved, always saved. We yeah. call it the perseverance of the saints, mm-hmm. right? And I look at him and I say, I can't believe that you're stuck in that doctrine. I want to pull him out, mm-hmm. right? Because because he's he's in fear all the time, thinking that it depends on him. When I I direct him to scriptures like Galatians three three that says. Are you so foolish? Mm. <laughs> Having begun in this by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Mm. Right? You're, mm-hmm. you're turning this thing into a work, 
right? And I want I want to reach out to him and tell him, you can't keep yourself, right? And Jesus said himself, all that my father has given me, I will in no wise cast out. I will not lose not one of them, right? And so uh, this trust that I have that Christ has me is, is, is best expressed by Paul when he says, uh, I'm sure of this, that he that began a good work in you, that he that began that good work in you will be faithful to complete that to the day of Jesus Christ. There is no way. If he brought me, he will keep me. And it, it doesn't depend on my works. It doesn't depend on how much faith I muster, right? And, and I got to remember this always. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing, right? And when I, when I, look, at, when I look at this particular question, my mind goes to one thing, and that, that moment that Jesus looked at Peter and said, would you leave also? And Peter looks at him, where would I go? Huh. You have the words of life, where would I go? I, I, I'm so in Jesus. Where could I go now? I have nowhere I could go. How could I lose this? How could I walk away? I can't. And so this is the, this is the thing, right? Like when you ask that question and people are like, you can't teach that doctrine because people are then going to believe they can do whatever they want. Well, that person never believed in the first place. Amen. That Amen. Person, that person, that person that believes that he can live his, his life uh, however he wants after reciting a prayer, walking an aisle, mm. or raising their hand, they're lost. They're uh-huh. still lost. They still need to come to know the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. They haven't come to know him because when you come to know him, you can't go anywhere else. He has the words of life. Mm. And I know I get a little I get a little nuts about that that particular question. No, no, yeah, that was that was that that was really good because um, th- we see th- we see this a lot, right? Um, there's an altar call after this um, evangelism uh, outreach program where they call people to the sinner's prayer. Who wants to receive Jesus? If people raise their hand, they come. Or I recite this prayer, you know, the sinner's prayer, um, and that's it. You know, they all oh, they say the sinner's prayer. We count them as a as a saved soul, and then they go off. There's no discipleship. There's no follow up. Uh, there's no you know uh, teaching of the word. Uh, they're just kind of left. Oh, we, we someone recited the sinner's prayer today at our uh, outreach, and um, some person got saved, and then you, you never see them again, and then. Later on, you know, you see that same person uh, in sin and, you know, he's doing all these things. Oh, that person lost his salvation because he said the sinner's prayer. He got saved and now he's in sin. He lost his salvation. That's usually how it goes. And that's, yeah. that's unbiblical right there. You know what I mean? When you talk about the regenerated uh, uh, person, it's just like Paul Washer says, he hates the sin that he once used to love. And now he he uh, loves a righteousness that he once used to hate. I think that's a Amen. perfect description of a regenerated person that yeah. he it's not he's not going to want to go back to sin. Yeah, he might struggle. He might have um, some issues and, you know, some shortcomings here and there. But ultimately, God will preserve that person because he belongs Amen. to him. Amen. You know what I mean? Well, well, well I was going to also say, too, it, it kind of kind of. Um, using your same analogy, but going on the opposite end, because I remember being in the cultural spaces that I was in, and uh, rather than have the person sort you know, sort of go up to the aisle, say a prayer or whatever, but isn't it a crazy thing, like in some churches you get the opposite that happens, where the person goes up for prayer and they raise their hand and you know they may be crying or whatever, and the church declares that you're free in Christ, but then directly after, they pour all these rules and regulations and guidelines mm. and laws 
and they put that on your back again, it's like, whoa, I thought I was free in Christ. Mm. You know, like now, now of, of course, I'm, I'm not talking about being lackadaisical in Christ and just, you know, you know, going on off the deep end thinking that you can do whatever you want to do. But think about that for a second. You know, you, you declare someone or rather uh, you, you, you tell someone that Christ has declared you to be free. Now, all of a sudden, you got to do these things. You got to, mm. you know, you know, especially in my wife's case, you know, she had to wear her hair a certain length. Mm. Uh, she had to wear certain things. I had to walk a certain way. You have to eat certain dietary uh, things, foods and everything. You have to stay at a certain place. You couldn't go to the theater because it's too dark. I mean, uh, I mean, it was just it was daunting, man. And it was. You know, that freedom that I finally got in Christ didn't feel that way, you know, on the onset of my conversion. I was like, this this feels like I'm literally more of a slave in Christ than I was when I was not in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we got to be very careful about that. And that's very dear, dear to my heart. because I see so many brothers and sisters struggling with that, you know, with other religions that do that, where you where they give you all these things to do and you're never free. And you never have that have that total weight lifted off you because of so many rules and, and laws uh, that aren't you know, necessarily biblical. So. Amen. I think Amen. A, a good reminder of that is well, well here where where we're at. Um, I know three people that just had babies, and um, and and one of the things that, that that I'm reminded of this is that when when these babies were born, they didn't leave the babies to fend for themselves. To go and try to grow on their own no they they are now taken care by the parent and the parent is going to help raise this child and is going to help see to it that this child is safe and goes away according to to however the parents choose and and just like us you know using the terms born again and our heavenly father which is our heavenly father now right because before we couldn't call him that but then now in, in that same image, we weren't just left to ourselves to, to try to keep our salvation. But no, we have our Heavenly Father who will take care of us and nurture us. And I think in the Old Testament, it goes on to, to, to use that image that, that he um, uh, nurtures Israel. And, 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 and how he does that with us, he's not going to leave us to ourselves, but he's going to keep us and make sure that we are safe and that we will keep going the path he has set before us. Amen. Yeah, I think uh, um, nowadays... Uh, evangelists pastors they make a mistake of declaring someone saved when when they're not i mean we know that uh, greg Laurie has his his uh the harvest has his uh, harvest, harvest crusades harvest yeah. and, and that's then, right and, here dude yeah. in anaheim that's right here in our county that's crazy yeah, and then minutes. <laughs> the post on their website thirty thousand people came to the lord and, and and they're saved and and we make that mistake of declaring people saved when it's it's the holy spirit that draws them in and god saves them we don't save people we present the gospel and then let god do the rest but i wanted to read this scripture because it reminded me of remind me of all this uh, uh, 1 John chapter 2 verse 19 They went out from us But they were not of us For if they had been of us They would have continued with us But they went out that it might be plain That they were not all of us So yeah. so I see that that A, a, a Christian uh, Someone who has been saved By, by the Father Is going to continue to walk in faith Is going to continue uh, to, to abide because uh, just like that scripture that apart from him we can't do nothing he says that a, a true vine he is a vine and, and we are the branches if, if you abide in me i will abide in you for apart from me you can't do nothing and so i, I feel like uh, with the true be- with the true believer god will keep that true believer but that person who just wants to stay in sin they're gonna eventually go and do their follow their own way because at the end of the day uh, god didn't draw them god didn't call them and so uh, 
man it's just man, man just we live we live in a, in, a, in a tough time right now where we're just everybody thinks they're saved everybody thinks they're saved but right. god is calling the, the elect to him and so the next question that comes is um can a non-elect person receive salvation <laughs> i think that was something that uh i believe it was pastor henry touched on earlier right yeah, I was looking at this question, like, it's the same, it's kind of the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the same yeah absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, well, I, you know, I, again, you know, you know, the short answer to that question is, can a non-elect person receive salvation? You know, the answer is no, uh, because salvation is not up to the elect, and it's not up to the non-elect person to force God or make God give us, or, or rather give us salvation. It's, it's up to God. But I like to take you know, there's many scriptures that we can go to, but I'm not going to take you to Romans 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 nine. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but I'm going to take you to uh, to uh, John 17, and this is where Christ is is um, praying his high priestly prayer. And listen to this scripture, uh, John 17:10. He says, "All mine are yours." He's praying to the Father, of course, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Those being the elect. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost. Here's the issue. Except the son of perdition or destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. God is so incredibly concerned with his good pleasure, his purpose, and what is his purpose? What was the purpose of Jesus coming? The whole purpose was indeed for for Jesus to come and save the remnant, save the elect, but it was also to fulfill the word of God, for he was the word of God made flesh, right? And so Mm -hmm. he says right there, he says, he says, he says, all of those um, I I have saved, and not one of them has been lost except the son of distrust. So I usually ask this question when I'm posed this question to me. I say, could Judas have chosen anything other than destruction? Hmm. Could Judas have forced God's hand to save him? Right? Because it clearly says that the scripture may be fulfilled. And that was the one disciple that was already predestined, uh, um, of course, to be that son of destruction, that son of perdition. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, just a simple answer to the question, you know, no, no person, elect or non-elect, can choose their salvation from our force God to receive, um, to let them receive salvation. It is all a work of God. But I think that pretty much... Um, knocks that that question out of the water, and again, that is something that we feel is harsh on the onset. But I think that what what we are doing oftentimes is that we're bringing God down to a humanistic perspective. God is not a president. God is not an emperor. God is not a sultan. God is God. He is the potter. We are the clay, and He has the right over all of it. Amen. Amen. And yeah, so that that would be another um, opposition that people would have that. Um, that this this is unfair, right? And just like how you mentioned Romans nine, you know, like who are you, old man, to reply against God? You know, what I mean, that's the question. That's hey, the man. answer actually that we receive from Scripture when that 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 question is is is, is asked. Like, who are you? Who are we as creation? As uh, 
mere humans to reply to the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and earth to, to say, why have you made us like this for who can resist his will? You know what I mean? And that's the answer that we get. Who are you? Oh man. You know what I mean? Almost a t Job type situation. We're like, where were you when I created, you know, when the, you know, all the creation was going down, you know what I mean? It was, what's the response? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. You know what I mean? Because that's what it that's what it comes down to. You know what I mean? That's what it comes down Bro, to. Brother Martin, <laughs> Brother Martin, I tell you, uh, Pastor Henry didn't want you to go to Romans nine, and you yeah. still did. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this one thing about that when you went to Romans nine right there. That that is so important that when people can get a grasp of that and understand what that actually means that it will help them tremendously to see mm -hmm. God's word is authoritative. Yeah. The problem that you have with this thinking that you have is that you don't see God's word as authoritative. Mm. You need to go see God's word as, as your authority and submit to what it says. Because what it says is above you. Leave your thinking at the door and come into this knowledge that God has for you in his word. Amen. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Amen. Amen. And so another... Um, Especially when it comes to family members and especially when it comes to people that that you, loved ones that um, you know are not saved um, Which will lead us to the to this next question is if God predestined an elect for himself That he predestined others to hell then you know that concept of double predestination, you know, what I mean So I think that that's a hard one for people to grasp that they look at their um, maybe unsaved uh, relative and be like, I don't want this person to hell. And how can God, you know, send this person to hell? You know what I mean? Like the the thought of 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 God sending people to hell, it's, it doesn't sit easy with people. But the question is, did God predestine people to hell? What would you guys have to say about that? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, brother. I think this is one of the hardest ones to tackle when it comes to those who oppose the doctrine of grace or the doctrines of grace and the doctrine of election because they, in their mind, they can't, they can't marry the two where you see a loving God that will send somebody to hell uh, by his uh, predestined uh, plan. Uh, but, uh, you know, double, predest double predestination uh, depends on how you define it. Now, the reform view uh, in, in history has usually rejected uh, the way it's been historically defined, yeah. which is that that God that God predestines some for heaven and others for hell in the exact same way. So, in other words, He uses the same means for uh, those He elects, and then He uses the same means for those who He doesn't elect. So, the same way that He works in and through the elect, how He illuminates and He regenerates and He opens their heart. Is the same way he works in the non-elect, where he darkens and hardens and he closes their heart. This is also called the doctrine of uh, equal ultimacy. Uh, but the Reformed view has, has historically rejected that view. God doesn't need to work in and through the non-elect. He mm -hmm. just simply needs to pass over them. He just simply needs to leave them to their own ways and their own devices. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 4 uh, says, But to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. So we can see there clearly that, that there is a time when God does give people uh, eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand. Another one is uh, well, when, you, when we read, I think uh, one of the brothers that read it earlier, when we read uh, Romans 3, chapter 11, uh, verse, uh, sorry, Romans 3, verse 11, no one understands, no one sees God, all have turned aside, together they have become worthless, no one does good, no, not even one. So if no one does good and no one seeks God, then the text itself implies that God must need to work in and through someone 
or in and through people for them to seek God. If no one seeks for God, God has to do something for them to seek him. Ephesians 2.5, the brothers read it earlier, we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive. So if no one seeks God and we must be made alive to seek him, then the only options are to believe in election or to believe in some sort of universalism. Again, like I said earlier, because pressed to its logical com- conclusion, uh, you know, Again, everyone's going to see God if God comes in and illuminates everybody's uh, everybody's hearts and eyes. And uh, you know, another thing too, uh, we talk about you know double predestination. Uh, you know, that's that's the way it's historically defined. Uh, but again, if, if you want to like get down, get technical and say, did God uh, has Romans nine? I, I hate to go back to that, but <laughs> we have to go back there. Uh, uh, like Romans nine talks about, did God make vessels for wrath and others for destruction? Yeah, it clearly says there in the text that He did uh, for His own glory, but. Uh, you know, before we say that's a little harsh, any any orthodox view of, of Christianity is going to have some type of, or it's going to do something with the sovereignty of God. It's going to have some type of view about the sovereignty of God. And uh, and they're all going to have that same issue with God creating some for destruction, God creating some for his own glory. And most Armenians would agree that God is sovereign. Now, they might not say that word. They might not use that word. They'll use a term like, uh, you know, God is in control or something like that. But they, they believe, most Armenians believe in a God of foreknowledge. In fact, many of them will, will say that's what predestined really is, is just God foreknowing, like looking down the quarter of time and seeing who's going to elect, who's going to save, uh, who's going to choose him, who's not going to choose him, and then he elects them. That's the way they, they kind of put it, right? But but mm-hmm. if you put those two things together, if you put those two things together, God being in control and God having foreknowledge, then what you're saying is, is that God created people with the foreknowledge, knowing that one day down the line they were going to reject them and they're going to go to hell. So the same mm-hmm. question could be back, could be put back to the Armenian and say, why would God create them if He knew that they would choose or that they would reject Him mm-hmm. and choose to go to hell? Right. So the Armenian has the same issue uh, with, with this with this problem mm-hmm. that God created did create some uh, for for His glory and others for. Uh, you know destruction so unless you advocate for some sort of open theism which which is uh, the doctrine that says god's actions are dependent on our action that uh-huh. he reacts to the way we react and that he has no foreknowledge or no sovereignty which open theism is heresy by the way yeah. unless you advocate for some type of open theism then you're going to have to deal with god creating some people for righteousness and creating others for uh, destruction mm. amen amen and that's crazy because then that just that's leaves Oh, go ahead. <laughs> That's why we keep Pastor Christian around. <laughs> like that. Amen, amen. That's why we keep Justin around for the same reason, too. I was going to say, cause, because then that, uh, the only conclusion then would go on to say that God then is in our mercy. Mm-hmm. Right? When we go on to say that, that he only can see down the corridors of time and, and he only elected those that would choose him. But then that would leave God at the mercy of us to choose him. Hmm. That then he would right. come to save us, but but then we were to see that that painted picture in Ephesians two that we were dead. You know how can a dead man do any type of choosing or any type of life um, stirring in his own self? Uh, but yeah, and 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 then, and I like the way in the book of uh, the book by R.C. Sproul, chosen by God. Hmm. I like the way that he hmm. puts it that yeah. when it, when it comes to double predestination, he says that. That he has chosen the elect for himself and the others he has given them justice yeah. he has given them what they right. ultimately want from their hearts desires Absolutely. which is darkness amen. which is not god amen yeah yeah I, I i would i would also um recommend to the to the listeners or even you guys if you haven't read it mm-hmm. um look up martin lord jones and he does a, a very good treaty on uh, the doctrine of hell and just hell in general 
And here's one of the most uncomfortable things. And I think that God meant it to be purposeful. Hell is supposed to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Ultimate judgment is uncomfortable to talk about because we're all guilty before him. The only reason why the elect are saved, the only reason why Christians are saved is because of God's sovereign grace, right? So um, I, I, I pretty much, I, I think I read this somewhere in, in a sermon, um, but it says, uh, it, uh, but, the, uh, but the preacher basically said that, that um, you know, there are several points, of course, symbolically in the book of um, Revelation 16, uh, 5, and where, where the saints are praying to God, asking, how long, oh God, will you, you know, wait before you judge, you know, those who, who, uh, who, who persecuted us? And he said, you know, just wait a little while longer. But we have to remember that in our glorified body, I, I heard one pastor say that if Granny, who was sweet old Granny, didn't repent of her sin, and she stands before God, we will not weep for Granny. We will mm. rejoice at God's judgment. Mm. And and that is monumentally. I mean, we don't. I mean, as 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 non-glorified, being sanctified Christians, we can't fathom how we would rejoice. But in our glorified body, if God is righteous to judge, we will rejoice at that moment because we know that he is both righteous in his grace and he is both righteous in his judgment. And, uh, you know, that's something difficult to come to. But, you know, when you when you think about God and who he is, actually, then we can call to um, uh, to our minds that level of, uh, of, of grace that we have received, knowing that we will not receive the judgment, but he has saved us. Amen. And uh, I just want to read Revelation uh, 19, uh, 1 and 2. It just reminds me uh, about the rejoicing in heaven. It says, After this I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of the great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And so we see this multitude uh, at, uh, that's praising God for the judgments of, of, of God. And it says that his judgments are just and true. You know what I mean? So it's just, just exactly what you said. We're going to be praising God for he has finally gotten rid of sin and sinful people uh, forever. You know what I mean? And we're going to actually rejoice in that. That's a tough one. You know what I mean? But, I mean, all I got to say is praise God that he had mercy upon me and my family. You know what I mean? And that's going to motivate yeah, us. <laughs> and that's going to motivate us also to share the gospel to our loved ones and to the lost. You know what I mean? That should just give us more of a motivation to, to, to share the gospel out on the streets. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, that would actually lead us into our, our next question. Yeah, because uh, a lot of people get... Uh get confused when they hear the word reformed or calvinist and uh they start thinking oh you're one of those that that predestination you're one of those (laughs) and so the question that 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 a lot of people always have is which is our last question if all things have been predestined in the foreknowledge of god why do we need to evangelize or pray Mm -mm -mm. and i'm gonna i'm gonna take that one and uh i'll tell you pastor chris probably gave this to me because i'm I'm the, the evangelist in the group. I'm the, the guy that kind of leads our evangelism uh, out on the streets. Um, and I've been out there on the streets since like 2005, um, preaching the gospel uh, just to people on the streets. I'm going to read a part of a scripture that's going to answer that question. Uh, so if we go to Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Go, 
that's it. I'm just going to read that one word <laughs> from that scripture <laughs> and, and tell you and tell you that that's not a request or a, if you can or anything like that. That's a command. Amen. That's that's a command. Go. Uh, what more do I need than my Lord and Savior telling me go? Go and do this. Mm. Right. It's the same thing with prayer. He tells us to pray. Right. In fact, prayer is something he did himself. Now, I, I, I got to say, when I look at that question, um, you know, those are those those are those people that that, that think you're hyper calculus, mm-hmm. right? That that you're that you're okay. So if I believe this, then I'm just not going to do anything. But no, I, I again, God's word is my authority, and He says go, right? So I go, I go, I evangelize, I go, I pray, right? And because it's commanded to to me in His Scripture, it is His word, it's authority over me. And uh, I just look at the examples that are in the Bible, right? If if Peter hadn't preached his sermon in Acts chapter two. Would 3,000 men have come to know Christ? Uh-huh. We're, we are just instruments mm-hmm. for God's glory, right? Amen. So if, if he's going if he's gonna to use me, I'm going to avail myself to him and say, use me however you want to, Lord, right? And if, if, if he used Peter in that way and 3,000 men came to Christ, who am I? Pick the little me that would say, I'm not going to do what Peter did, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How will they hear without a preacher? Right, and so when the when the scriptures tell us exactly what that formula is, and, and God is just simply telling us go, then why wouldn't we go? And, and so my 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 rebuttal to anybody that's going to come to me and say, "Oh, you're a Calvinist, so you must not even care to evangelize." Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I'm out there, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm out there doing it. it, it it, it's it's I'm surprised I'm surprised that I have to push so many Armenians to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and believe me, I, I've met some people that you know tell me how much uh, you know how important it is, but then they but then they don't show yeah. up there on the bridge when we go out to the Yeah. Oh, so they have this they have this idea that you know they're 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 worse in my opinion than I am because <laughs> I mean well just get that in. if we are commanded to go then why wouldn't you go and that's yeah. just my answer to that right. Uh, y'all can expand on that if you want, but really, basically, that would be my. Yeah, I would just like to add. You know, I agree. You know, with you brothers, that this is a this is a, a big pushback that we Calvinists get a lot. Yeah. You know, being uh, in our little church plan that we uh, we're part of the the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention. And, you know, it's it surprisingly, you know, uh, Southern Baptist Convention has historically not been too kind to Calvinists. Uh, you know, um, I know we see some of the big names out there that are Calvinists. You see, like, Mark Dever and, you know, Matt Chandler. And these guys are Calvinists in their SBC. But to, to be honest with you, most of the churches are not, not Calvinists. They're, they're mostly Armenian. So, uh, you know, when I when I show up to these meetings, I'm like that the black sheep, you know, of the mm-hmm. crowd. You know, I'm like the, the one Calvinist. Everybody, everybody knows who I am. They're like, oh, that's that. That's that Calvinist stuff, you know. What I, mean? so I got to sit in the corner or something. <laughs> but 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 it's funny that like, like Jimmy was saying though, like man, you know, our little church plan, man, we're we're, we're more active in evangelism than most of the other churches in the city. You know, we're we're, we're not only doing things on the bridge, we're we're doing trainings, we're we're, we're, t- we're telling our people out, you know, to evangelize and not just you know come to my church evangelism. No, actually present the gospel. You know, yeah, the whole gospel laid out for them. You know, you're a sinner in need of salvation. Not, not a, uh, you know, let's go, let's go grab a cowboy game and let me show you how good my family is. That's <laughs> evangelism. You know, yeah. real true evangelism. And, and you know, as Calvinists, you know, we believe that God not only ordains the ends, He also ordains the means. Yeah. He also has ordained the. Uh, the means to salvation and the means to uh, to get his elect to come to him that's evangelism you know has the famous text Romans ten fourteen. how will they hear without a preacher 
Mm. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and uh, I believe um, you guys use um, the Living Waters way also, right? The Ray Comfort style? We, we do. We, we, we use the lawn and the angels. Yeah. There's, there's many different ways to do that, but we've gotten more creative and creative uh, when we do that. We go out on the bridge. I got a riddle that I put up on a, on a, on a banner, on mm. an easel, and it, it slows people down enough to ask those questions. And, you know, I have gone to the Ambassadors Academy and, and uh, uh, there in Los Angeles, well, uh, close in a suburb of Los Angeles where uh, he's, he's taught people how to open their breach. Mm. I can tell you that he's, he's pretty good at that, and he tries to stay in between the Arminian and the Calvinist camp, right? Yeah. But I, I, I will say, I will say that he's, he's, he's very good at teaching people how to, to bring about a knowledge of sin so that someone might come to know that they need to, they need Christ, that they need a savior. Yeah. And, uh, earlier y'all were talking about wrestling with, with, with ideas and, uh, evangelism should make people start to think and wrestle yeah. with these ideas. It's the Holy Spirit that will do the work, right? All we do is plant the seeds, but I, I really feel like using the law to bring about a knowledge of sin uh, is the best way to go because people glaze over that all the time. You hear words like, oh, you're just broken, you know? <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, no, you're a sinful man. You're a sinful man, all right? But uh, when, when we try to lighten it and make it, make it, make it uh, sugar-coated and say, you know, um, it's, it's, it's just broken. It's just not come to... I'm I'm sitting here going, no, no, no. We we need to preach the gospel. Amen. So uh, that's what I believe in. We do use the waters. Well, one more thing, just to add to that. I mean, you look at church history. Some of the strongest evangelists have been Calvinists. Mm. You look at you know people like Jonathan Edwards and uh, uh, George Whitfield. Even you know the father of modern missions, William Carey. Uh, you know these these guys were all Calvinists. So to to say that Calvinism Calvinists don't evangelize is simply untrue. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 then I guess I guess I'll I'll sort of uh, put a, a third comment in there. When you look at these guys that are I guess classically Arminian or use the classical method or the or the evidentialist method in order to be able to evangelize. I mean. I mean, you could uh, uh, William Lane Craig, Robbie Zacharias. You know these monumental, uh, great orators, these speakers, these these academic minds. You know, when you look at these guys and you listen to them talk about the cosmological argument and the complexity of the eye, and you know, mm-hmm. UV sunlight rays. I mean, I mean, all this stuff. Like, like try teaching. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. In my cultural context, try teaching that. You know, some sort of cosmological argument to a single mother with five kids. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, try teaching that to our cultural space where you know we don't got a lot of time. You know, and and all like that. But on the street, you don't have a lot of time. Yeah. You gotta again bring them to the bad news so they can get to the good news. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to be talking about you know the sun rays and UV rays and 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 I mean that's great stuff to to, to know and to and, and to and to talk about, but. This is a hard issue. It's mm. not an evidence issue because Romans 1 says we all know that mm. God exists in yep. some way, fashion, and form. Yeah. So regardless of what they say, regardless of how we profess we believe, I can profess to be an atheist or an agnostic or a spiritualist or whatever, but at the end of the day, we know that God exists and it's a heart issue and that heart must be changed. It has to be changed by God and God alone. And so, you know, these brilliant minds, that's, that, that's awesome, but I don't have that brilliant of a mind. I'm not that great, a great of a, of, of a guy to speak. 
I mean, I don't have time to be, you know, memorizing swaths of material. Like, I got three kids, I got a job, you know. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, man. And yeah, also us, man, we take that living waters way. And uh, we have a couple of videos on our Instagram, you know, just uh, going out there and, you know, sharing the gospel with people, you know what I mean? Because if this doctrine has really hit your heart, um, you're going to rejoice in Christ, but it's also going to motivate you to get out there and, and share the gospel. That's two things that it does. It brings you that assurance and it motivates you even more to be like, you know what? God will save his people. That's a fact. We cannot fail in evangelism with sharing the gospel. You know, people they people consider it a failure if no one gets saved. Well, you know, like as Vody Bakken would say, not my department, not my duty. You know what I mean? He he would just say, go out there and, and <laughs> share the gospel, and that and that success, knowing that God will draw to Himself His people, and we have that assurance right yeah. there. You know I mean, so I think that's one of the things where I I thank God within within our context here is that He has drawn us to the church that we're that we're currently at, where our pastor loves to evangelize, and he's been yeah. doing it since the since the late '80s, early '90s. He's been doing that. Um, with him and his wife and and even just coming in into into this church he loves that he loves to go out there and talk to people and share the gospel to people and then with us now that we're getting more heavily into reformed theology we're able to carry that over with us yeah that we're not you know the 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 two reformed where we stay at home and and you know trust in yeah. god's providence and his sovereignty that he will do what needs to get done but no we're we're going to be used by god to go out there and preach the gospel to people and and, and that, that's one of the things where that, that I mentioned in the very beginning that that it was uh, one of the hard things to to wrestle over or, or to see the beauty in, in, in this whole conversation that we had um, for this episode. The sovereignty um, as far as his elect and predestination was just the fact of of well, what's the point of praying then? What's the point of evangelizing then? That was one of the things that, that I would say to myself in the beginning. But then now I see how much more it is needed to pray and to evangelize. Why? Because when you learn about the sovereignty of God, we're able to see just how faithful God is in keeping his people and how people come to salvation by just hearing the word of God. And it should only motivate us to want to preach the gospel to our families, to our friends and to everyone that we know. Why? Because we know that that when God does start something in their life, he will see to it to completion. Amen. And that all it takes is for someone to stand up and preach the gospel to them. And so I, I think that should only motivate us so much more to go to our families instead of just carrying and say, well, what if they're not elect? No, preach to them. Yeah. And and, I, and that's yeah. where I was I think, motivated. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, brother, you know, that what you're saying is true. You know, kind of going back to, uh, you know, where you guys started when I, you know, back in my old rapping days, <laughs> you know, we used to do a lot of evangelism or, you know, we used to always, you know, uh, you know, call people to, to, to receive Christ like we used to put in and stuff. But I remember always thinking, you know, because we would have these altar calls and I remember back in those days, I always thinking like, if somebody didn't come up and get saved, I was a failure, you know? It was a failure on my part because nobody got saved. Yeah. And now, man, when we go out, when we go out on the streets or whatever, I just have confidence that this is God's work. It's not mine. All I got to do is just be obedient. So, you know, we just we just go and plant the seeds and, you know, it should it should give people more confidence to evangelize this doctrine anyway, because we know that there are people like, like mm-hmm. Paul says, uh, when he, you know, when he was going to the city, there's there's people destined there to be saved. So we know that there's de- there's people out there that are destined to be saved, mm-hmm. that uh, we have the confidence that God is going to save those who he calls. And we don't have to have all that pressure on us and our, our delivery and the way we the way we said it or the way we didn't Man. say it. 
you know, we just leave it to God and be obedient. You know, I want to I take you back out. Brother Justin, what you were just saying a minute ago is important. And Pastor Chris just reiterated something. Think of the woman at the well uh-huh. um, in uh, John chapter 4. You know, at the end of that conversation, Jesus revealed himself for who he was, right? I'm he, right? And she ran off, right? And here come the disciples, and they're asking him if he's hungry. And he says to them, as he's looking at the city, I have food you know not of, uh. right? I get, hey, when did he get anything to eat, right? And 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 the whole point of that of that thing is to say something happened right here, and this woman was moved by Jesus Christ. I've been on the streets talking to people where where I have phys- physically seen their faces change, and they begin to weep in front of me, and I and I have to turn them away from the crowd and say, hey, come over here real quick, and what's going on inside your heart right now? Let's talk, right? And so, uh, yeah, how many times have I heard this? How many times have I started to look within and, and see this? And I think, can I pray with you? Don't repeat after me, but can I pray with you? Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. then I know the Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is working in that heart. And I'm, and I'm amazed. And I have food you know not of. Mm-hmm. So it's more than just, again, more than just go. But God gives us something from it. Right? Mm-hmm. He uses it as an instrument. But then when we see something going on, we're all the more benefited by that, and we see we see the Holy Spirit at work. And so, to me, that's an amazing thing. It's a gift that He gives to us, and uh, something I never thought I could partake in. Uh, but now, every every time I see it, I'm still floored. I'm still floored and think, what a gift God has given, right? Amen. And so. That's, that's about it, right? Amen. Wow. And we can, man, we can continue, <laughs> man. Talk a lot, man. Dude, <laughs> we can continue so much. Uh, I would refer the listeners. We did a, a, an episode talking about evangelism with uh, Brother Lamont English. Um, and we went to a, an evangelism conference right here with Reverend Rudy Rubio from the Reformed Church of L.A. Um, they got down, man. You, you know, church plant right in the hood, right in the middle of Linwood and between Compton and Watts. You know, having an evangelism conference, you know what I mean? So it was dope. And so I would refer the listeners to, to that episode. And we would just talk about the whole episode just about evangelism. So, I mean, we can continue this whole thing. But, but we went a little late. So I just want to uh, say thank you, you know, to to, to you brothers for taking the time and doing this episode and just you know sharing uh what god has done in your guys' lives and uh the insight that you guys have you know so anybody that's still you know hesitant to look into these kinds of doctrines uh be hesitant no more you know what i mean go and look it up uh search it up because these things are true these things are real and it just um brings brings you closer to the lord it gives you confidence uh it builds you up and you'll be able to to see things in a brand new light and you'll be able to walk in obedience and and love uh to our lord and savior jesus christ you know what i mean so you guys have anything else to say no, I don't have it. Right, so one last thing. Uh, where, where, where can they find you guys as a podcast at? Or any information where they can, uh, the listeners can search you guys up? Yeah, you can uh, go to uh, thesolacast.com. That's our website. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, uh, at Sola underscore cast. And uh, also look for us on Facebook, too. Just search for the uh, Facebook uh, page. Uh, go ahead and like it and share it and you know just uh you know check out the the, the podcast and the new merch store that we got up oh, nice. <laughs> nice. had to plug that too man yeah. hey, go ahead go ahead hey, but, uh, 
But uh, appreciate you brothers having us on, man. This was yeah. good. You know, uh, I, I told you that these brothers can talk. So uh, if you got to chop this up into two episodes, if you got to chop this up into two episodes, go right ahead. But uh, yeah, man, uh, appreciate you having us on, man. This was this was good. This is very edifying, you know. And uh, I just want to encourage you, brothers, man. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, brother Martin, speaking on evangelism. I think the first time I came across you was a video, man, of you uh, evangelizing at a car show or something yeah, like yeah. that man. And I think oh, I last year Easter yeah because that, that just man just just seeing when I see things like that brother man I'm just like oh yeah that's, that's what I'm about right yeah, yeah. I want to I want to reach people I want to reach people like that you know what I mean you were, you were out there getting it you were out there evangelizing it. you weren't sugarcoating it either brother you were just you weren't saying you know uh, God wants a better plan for your life man. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Yeah. You're putting it down. Amen. So. Amen. I was, keep, I was, keep doing it. Amen. Doing it. Amen. Uh, I was a little uh, uh, disappointed this year because it's a, it's an Easter you know car show, and since the whole lockdown happened, I was, I was looking forward to doing another one like that. But hey. You know what I mean? God will give you more, more opportunities. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, sure. you know, sure. thank you guys for hopping on once again. This is Reform Raza with Solar Cast, and we are out of here. Arrata vatos. <laughs> All right. Peace. Okay, it's Romans 9. We off track like walk bills wobbling. Here goes a horse pill for swallowing. The problem is. Too often we ain't thought of this Our God in the heaven, he is present and he's sovereign It's no secret, we often splurge on the deep end Our feet slip, tossed and turned like we seasick But we don't need no quantities of drama Mean or modern philosophies We're following the God who speaks And he speaks so we can know his mind Show you right we can read the quote in Romans 9 He said, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated Now what I'm supposed to do with that statement? I call it food for thought so I'ma plate it Y'all can argue and debate it But please don't hate, I'm just a waiter Just saying so what? Uh, it's all grace and I'm praying for more While we wait for the day that he's making it known Let's get it Is it justice for all undeserving? Do you trust him? He offers his mercy Keep working cause God has a purpose And tell him come to that call if they heard it Justice we're all undeserving. Do you trust him? He offers us mercy. Keep working, cause God has a purpose. And tell him, come to that call if they heard it. Paul postulates some God in his call of faith who called all the Jews, but more than a few fall away. And what happened? Was the stamina absent? Or did his word fail as if his grammar was lacking? But testing God the highest ain't the wisest. Not quite sure. Ask Paul about his blindness. I digress. Food for your thought. Did it digest? Off the side quest. Dive into divine text. This the Jews know. God in his prerogative to choose folks. Some are precious metals, some are fools gold. And we see he's been separating families, leading to the desperate plea of agony the passion in his words his speech his tone his utterance let me take the curse for my brethren peep pause pattering pray for your progeny bow to a sovereignty since we're all pottery is it justice for all undeserving do you trust him he offers his mercy keep working because god has a purpose and tell him come to that call if they heard it is it justice for all undeserving do you trust him he offers his mercy Cause God has a purpose And tell him come to that call if they God be like mercy's mind I'll disperse it at the perfect time Don't matter if you last or you first in line When you ask don't be searching blind You good on your knees to sow seeds When I speak I bring the dirt to life 
Not by human will or volition I don't need your permission I don't seek any wisdom This oldest of mysteries Shown in 15 and 16 By no winner's history We know his mind So we know the price of his victory Minds coincide like a split screen We see his building and it's kin being ushered in No strings attached, no Jim Henson puppeteer If it's becoming clear, then we almost done it here His system still some insisting that it wasn't fair But with a lesser view, we even at our best confused Finding facts through a tiny crack, I call it vessel view Is it justice for all undeserving? Do you trust him? He offers his mercy Keep working, cause God has a purpose And tell him come to that call if they heard it Is it justice for all undeserving? He offers us mercy Keep working cause God has a purpose